There's uh, Bibles at the end of the pews there. You might want to turn to 1 Corinthians 11, that reading which Ted read for us a few moments ago, verses 23 to 32. This morning, as we gather here in St. George's Church, we're doing what Christians have done for almost 2,000 years. In some churches, it is an elaborate and ornate affair that dominates the entire service. In other churches, it's observed at the end of a worship service and perhaps less formal. Some churches observe it every Sunday, others less frequently, such as within the Church of Scotland, where it's once a quarter. However it's observed, the important thing is for those involved to remember why they are doing what they are doing. We need to take time to look at the meal and the message it preaches And this morning affords us a great opportunity to do just that. The Lord's Supper, or the Holy Communion, is a service of remembrance. We remember Jesus, what he did, why he did it, and what it means for us. As we gather this morning, we are participating in a symbolic act which calls to mind the death, resurrection and promised return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because the Lord Jesus himself said, do this in remembrance of me. Thus the Holy Communion combines commemoration celebration and contemplation. So let's unpack these three aspects of the Lord's Supper to enrich our own understanding and our worship. First of all, the Holy Communion is a time of commemoration. The word commemorate means to honour the memory of somebody or something in a ceremony to serve as a memorial to something. If the Lord's Supper is anything, it is a memorial. It's a time to remember Jesus and what he did for us. Thus we commemorate his sufferings. We recall those in verses 24 and 25. They talk about the broken body and the blood of Jesus. Both these vivid phrases bring to mind suffering and pain. When we take the elements of the Lord's Supper, we are to remember that Jesus Christ suffered horribly for us to save us from our sins. We're also to commemorate his sacrifice. The fact that Jesus Christ was in a human body, speaks of the sacrifices that he made in order to redeem us. God became a man, lived and died in this world to redeem the lost. In the Gospels we read that he suffered shame. He knew what it was to be rejected. 
He knew what it was to encounter poverty. He knew what it was to experience pain, both emotionally, but also physically. And Jesus knew what it was to experience death. In fact, the goal of giving himself as our sacrifice was his whole purpose for coming to this world in the first place. In Mark 10 we read, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So a little later on, when we come to receive the bread and the wine, pause for a moment and remember what Jesus did for you. We are here to commemorate his sufferings and his sacrifices for us. But you know, whenever we gather for the Holy Communion, it's also a time of celebration. Just as much as the Lord's Supper is a time of commemoration, it is a time of celebration. The word celebrate means to mark a special occasion or a day by ceremonies or festivities or parties. It comes from a Latin word that means to attend a feast. That is what we're here to do today. We're here to attend a feast, celebrating what Jesus did for us. There should be a heart of thankfulness, of joyfulness, of happiness within every person who is saved today because of what Jesus has did, because of who he is, and because of the freedom from the shackles of sin that we can know and enjoy in our lives. He perished so that we don't have to. And what do we celebrate? We celebrate his compassion. If again you are following the reading in 1 Corinthians 11, look at verse 24 and notice the words, for you. These words remind us that Jesus gave his body and his blood for you and for me. He did these things, he suffered all that he did because he loves us. You know, perhaps the most well-known verse in the Bible is in John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus had no sin of his own to die for. Indeed, as we read in 2 Corinthians 5, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. But he willingly took our sins upon himself, that we might be delivered from our sins and the penalty of our sins. What love that Jesus Christ, 
the sinless Lamb of God would give himself for you and me. But he did. And sometimes we find that incredible to understand. We've been thinking about these things at the Lent meetings on Thursday afternoons. And it's true, isn't it, that sometimes we just find it hard to conceive or imagine A, that Jesus should have to die for us because we maybe don't think we're that bad. But on the other hand, we can't imagine that somebody would love us enough to put himself in our place in order that we might be free. What love that Jesus, the sinless Lamb of God, has for you and for me. And we celebrate that whenever we gather around the Lord's table. You see, in Romans 5 it says this, At just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. Here it is. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that an amazing thing? We've done nothing to deserve God's love or to win his favour. But because God loves us, he accepts us as we are. And because he loves us, he doesn't leave us as we are. We gather today as works in progress. And so we're here to commemorate. We're here to celebrate his compassion. We're also here to celebrate his conquest. His conquest. What is not mentioned in those verses which Ted read for us, but which is clearly implied, is the fact that Jesus Christ rose again from the dead after his death on the cross. For whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You see, anyone could have died, but only the God-man could have paid for sins through his death on the cross and guarantee eternal life by rising again from the dead. But that is just what Jesus did. Therefore, thank God, because he lives, all those who believe in him will live also. We also celebrate his coming. We are clearly told that when we observe the Lord's Supper, we are telling this world that we believe that Jesus is coming again. That is his promise to us. That promise was affirmed by Paul in 1 Thessalonians 4. It's also reaffirmed by Jesus himself in the closing words of the Bible. In the book of Revelation, chapter 22, this is what it proclaims. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Jesus will return. And that is a truth we celebrate with joy whenever we share in the Lord's Supper. Because this service is to help us to remember until he comes again. The Holy Communion. 
It's a time of commemoration. It's a time of celebration. It's a time of contemplation. The Lord's Supper is a time for us to think, to give space. The word commemorate means to think about something seriously and at length. When I think of what Jesus suffered for me, I want to worship him. When I think of all the things we are here to celebrate, I want to shout his praises. But when I understand the message of verses 27 to 32, I understand that the Lord's Supper is a very serious time. It's a time for us to reflect upon the condition of our lives so that we can be sure we are where we need to be with the Lord before we participate in the service. What are we to contemplate? Well, we're to contemplate our salvation. In spite of all their sins and failures, Paul is writing to a saved people in this chapter in Corinth. When Paul uses the words us and we, he's talking about himself and his fellow believers both then and now. He's giving us details of a celebration, a commemoration that is for believers only. For some people, practice what's called closed communion. This means that the church only allows those who are members of that church and who are in good standing with that church to participate in the Lord's Supper. Others practice what is called open communion. In those kinds of churches, everyone who is present is encouraged to participate in the observance of the Lord's Supper. Personally, I tend to err towards close communion. In other words, everyone who is present is invited to participate, but only after they've been warned of the consequences of participating in the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. The peace which we have in our service is an opportunity to greet one another, to extend God's peace to one another. But you know, the reason why the peace was included within the service was to so that we can make our peace with those with whom we're at odds. Now that can be a bit awkward, can't it? If everybody gravitates to the same person, you can easily feel under the spotlight. But you know, that was the meaning that if there's somebody, for whatever reason, we don't hit it off with or have done something to hurt us or whatever, as well as greeting those around about us, we should make a point of making our peace with them in order that we can make peace with God. And so we need to examine our hearts. This doesn't mean we need to be perfect to participate in the Holy Communion, because that would exclude all of us. However, what we need to do is we need to repent of those things that mar God's image in us, and we need to believe in order to be in close communion with the Lord.
Therefore, we must contemplate our sanctification. Notice in verse 27, there's a word in that verse that bothers me. It is the word unworthily. We are told that if we take this bread and this cup unworthily, we bring God's wrath upon our lives by not reverencing the Lord's body. In other words, we're not just to approach this service casually. We're not to approach it without really thinking about what and who it's all about. But rather we're to examine our hearts. We're to commemorate God's love for us in Christ. We're to celebrate that love and we're to contemplate what indeed we are doing as we share in this service. In 1 Corinthians 11, the phrase not discerning the Lord's body has the idea of treating Jesus like the mocking and jeering crowds did at his crucifixion. It means that we treat his broken body and his shed blood as if it were nothing. And sometimes familiarity can do that within us. We can participate without really thinking and examining our own lives. We need to be sure that we are clean before we can come to his table. When we partake of his table with an unclean heart, we need to be aware that there is a price to pay, as described in verses 30 and 32 of 1 Corinthians 11. And note the term I used, the table. You know, we have had children in church recently from Greengate, uh, from Greengate School, but also from St George's School and Cambridge Street. It must be that time of year where they're looking at different aspects of the Christian faith. And they've been learning about the Holy Communion. They've been learning about the Lord's Supper. And often I get all the children to sit here and I ask them what this is. And they say, it's a table. And I said, you're absolutely right. That's exactly what it is. And then I point them to the stained glass window and there at the bottom they see a figure of Jesus. What is he around? A table. And he's sharing in the Last Supper with his disciples. Now sometimes, in some places, some people describe it as an altar. And in one sense, I think there's that element where people are thinking about the sacrifice. But certainly within the Church of England, the description is actually the table. You know, some of us will remember the Book of Common Prayer. Nowhere in the Book of Common Prayer will you ever see the word altar. It is the holy table because we gather to share in this meal which Jesus himself instituted for us. So then, what are we to do? Well, the answer is in verse 31 
of uh, that Bible reading. We're to examine ourselves, we're to bring our sins before his throne in confession and repentance, and when we do that, we can expect forgiveness. But when we do that, can we expect his chastisement? Is it that serious? Well, yes it is, unless we come before him with repentant and believing hearts. We must guard against trivialising the Holy Communion, of making it more than what it is, but also making it less than what it is. We must guard against worshipping the service, rather than the one whom we remember, Jesus Christ. Well, before too long, we will gather around the Lord's table, and I invite all of you to share in that, or those who maybe don't feel able to, I invite to come forward for a prayer of blessing. But as we gather around the Lord's table, we commemorate and celebrate our wonderful Saviour's life, death, his resurrection, and his return. But before we do, we need to have a time of contemplation. And I'm going to encourage you just to be seated where we are, and to close our eyes as we come before God in prayer. And for you and for me, let us examine our hearts. Let us look deep within ourselves. And just where we are, let us come before the Lord, and let us ask ourselves, is Jesus my Saviour? Am I sure? Am I clean before him today? Have all my sins been confessed and brought out into the open? Can I take the Lord's Supper with a worthy heart? Am I ready to partake in the Lord's Supper with a focused heart? Are my thoughts centred on Jesus or on myself? Are my thoughts centred on his worship and what he has done in my life rather than my own preferences? Am I ready to do this in remembrance of him? Almighty God, We thank you that you loved the world so much that you sent your Son to be our Saviour. Father, we come to you mindful of our need of your forgiveness, of your restoration. As we confess our sins, may we receive your forgiveness and that peace that comes alone through the Prince of Peace. We thank you, Father God, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. What a Saviour. May we contemplate, may we commemorate, may we celebrate as we share in this service that Jesus has commanded us to do in remembrance of him. And we ask these things in his precious name. Amen.